Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about the energy industry from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha, and I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the commodity markets by our expert Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. Well, Jason, a subject which we've picked up on quite a bit in the past, which is is still there with a vengeance, I think, commodity price inflation generally, not just in energy, but right across the economy. And I gather there have been some developments that have uh, put boosters under that in the last few days. Is that right? Yeah, very much so, Jeremy. I think uh, headlines have seen copper and uh, aluminium and certainly energy uh, prices, perhaps with the exception of oil, moving to all-time highs. And um, I think, you know, you, to understand that, you do need to dig just a little bit deeper than the um, breakdown of supply chains and perhaps a little bit of a opportunism in markets. If you look at macroeconomic policy, what it's doing against uh, sort of uh, asset inflation and asset valuation. And that includes not just metals and energy, but right across the board in so many areas. There is a huge amount of investment money being made available and looking for a home. No one wants to hold cash. If you look at, there's nearly an asset that is not fully recovered from COVID or at all-time highs. And that has to be down to the very, very loose monetary policy and now increasingly loose fiscal policy employed by some governments. What we're seeing or what we saw on Friday was uh, Bernanke, head of the uh, chair of the Federal Reserve Committee, talking to the Jackson Hole Symposium. And uh, he basically signalled that we may see some bond purchasing and a little bit of tightening in Q4. But in terms of interest rates, that really isn't on the cards at the moment. And it was immediately sort of talked about as a very dovish statement. So more of the same. And investment banks and uh, your pension and my pension looking for a return, you know, they take these signals and they think right well the chairman of the fed is underwriting uh, basically any asset i buy at the moment so i'm going to buy some more and you know we're, we're seeing that energy is just one of those that's caught up in it sure there are lots of fundamental reasons that people can point at but i'd argue the basis of all of this is not fundamentally driven at all it's it's monetary policy and and, and fiscal policy driven I think that's a really important point. You know, the party continues until the uh, punch bowl is is removed, as the uh, the economists like to talk about with interest rates. And it doesn't sound like there's a enthusiasm politically to do that yet. But as you mentioned, rather interestingly, oil has moderated a bit, hasn't it? The price started climbing again because it did notch down, didn't it? And of course, there have been other effects like uh, you know the hurricane season that that can influence the oil market. Yeah, so very turbulent. I mean, when we last spoke, we were seeing oil trading towards the bottom of ranges. on the front month for Brent, that really driven by a continued uh, period, about six weeks now, maybe seven weeks of uh, the spec position holders trimming up their uh, exposure on the uh, exchanges to on the long side. I mean, I'm not going to say at this point that uh, the market is still anything other than skewed to the upside. But, you know, in terms of that excess, there's been some trimming of positions, some indications that they think oil's kind of run out of steam at sort of 70 75 dollars as we saw it recently and of course as with all of these markets it's on to the next story and the next big move and of course no sooner have we trading 66 but we're now trading 73 
interestingly enough still within a broad trading range while we trading 73 well you had category 4 hurricane shut in 1.7 million barrels of uh, oil and gas equivalent in the gulf of mexico you had 90 odd percent of production in that area all shut down and shut in and obviously now the market i think it looks to be in, in general terms some of the work that's been put in post Katrina 2005 it looks like probably a quicker bounce back certainly on the oil and gas asset in terms of human life and all the rest of it it seems initially to be a lot worse markets holding steady around those 72 73 dollar highs but some indication that uh, perhaps the market just remains very summer like and remains it remains bounded by Yes, on one hand, we've got the issues in the Gulf of Mexico driving it to the top of its recent range, but taking it down to the bottom of its recent range, perhaps a, a feeling that COVID, particularly this new Delta or the grip of the Delta variant and its transmissibility, even amongst the double vaccinated, just sending a few little warning signals around uh, markets in general. Right, but we haven't seen the same impact yet in, in terms of gas prices, which continue to rocket up, don't they? I think to all-time highs now in the UK. So what's keeping uh, gas prices, apart from the macroeconomic issues, what's keeping gas prices so high in Europe generally and UK specifically? So the fundamentals continue to be the when will it flow, will it flow story around Russian gas through was going through Ukraine, now proposed to come through Nord Stream 2. It's a political hot potato. It has been. We saw shortly after our last uh, podcast two weeks ago, we saw the market react to erroneous data feed showing flows through Nord Stream 2, which was exactly that erroneous. And then an opportunist statement by by the Russian Gazprom firm saying we're ready to flow 50% of the pipeline capacity in Q4. And I think that was opportunistic and the market very nervous and relatively thin market, certainly in UK, less volumes are less down in Europe, but they are down. You know, we saw a big tip off. We saw 10%, which is a classic correction in a market. We saw that pullback lasted sort of 48 hours or so before everybody sort of sat down and went, well, actually nothing's changed. We saw the German regional court that was uh, looking at an appeal by the Nord Stream 2 company over the European Union unbundling rules. We saw them rule that the European unbundling rules still apply. Therefore, don't expect, um, unless there's changes in the holding companies and the way the, the whole thing is structured, that it will look to a quick resolution to making flows into Germany legal. So there's lots of politics going on around this. And uh, I think whilst fundamentally things do remain tight, specifically around German and Russian storage in Europe, I think, you know, in terms of the UK, we are the certainly since since Brexit, we've seen volumes gradually moving even before Brexit towards TTF from MBP. Um, we really are a, a subservient market uh, rather than the dominating market, which was certainly true 10 years ago or five years ago. So very interesting times. And there are some real fundamental concerns added to the whole macro free money forever picture. But also, I think there's a lot of politics at play, again, with the Russians as well. And what I find very difficult to understand is that uh, 
whether this gas was pushed through the Ukraine or whatever route it took into Europe, it was, always was, and will continue to be Russian gas. So uh, I think this is more geopoliticking and uh, trying to appeal to our uh, um, border, the border nations between uh, what was the Soviet Union and the West and to uh, appease uh, America, which still in... or. Biden seems to have inherited some of the, the more aggressive Trump policies. Indeed, although common sense, which is a very dangerous thing to, to, to rely on uh, in these circumstances, but common sense would suggest that a solution will be found for this sooner rather than later because Germany needs the gas, Europe needs the gas, in fact. And with a change in the Chancellor imminent, I mean, how likely is it that Germany would be you know, prepared not to have Nord Stream 2 gas arriving at least in Q1 next year, if not towards the end of this year, would you think? Yeah, I don't think Germans want to be seen to be breaking EU rules. Um, so my money is they'll change them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Germany needs that gas. It's not going to come back through the Ukraine for political reasons. Merkel's last uh, sort of farewell tour visit to Biden has kind of put that in place. No incoming German chancellor or sitting German chancellor is going to want to be presiding over rolling blackouts and uh, power cuts this winter. So that gas will flow. I'm absolutely convinced of it. But as we know in the UK from our experiences back in 2005 and six, when we were waiting the Langeled project to open, which obviously wasn't politically uh, sensitive, but prices frothed into a frenzy for many, many, many months. And it was only once gas started barreling down the pipeline that actually the market took fright and went, right, it's here, we actually believe it now. And, you know, famously, the first day of testing when 60-odd million cubic metres of gas started flowing down that pipeline, we saw negative within-day gas prices in the UK. Quite. But uh, turning now to the power market, you know, high gas prices, high coal prices indeed for the markets that, that rely on it, and perhaps rather more than the UK, and high car- high carbon prices especially, this is all contributing to the very high prices in the power markets, isn't it? And although the UK, or rather to be accurate, Great Britain, only has a couple of operational power stations left that are burning coal, they've been quite busy this summer, haven't they? And and the prospects, presumably for the winter, is that as long as they're operational, they'll, they'll carry on burning burning coal is that likely to be the case yeah well we can bank on them for this winter of course because of the arrangements but let's not be uh, under any illusion the uk in terms of its domestic arrangements is is not dependent in any shape way shape or form on coal in the summer and it's most unusual before this summer to see it run other than for engineering tests and the rest of it Coal has been on the grid pretty much every day for the last few months Uh, and I suspect on for the majority of the summer. Why is that? Because it's financially attractive to do so, because the price of gas is ridiculous. The subsidies that go into coal to make it work as a marginal production. I've been working this summer, and I think there is genuine fears in more coal-dependent markets, particularly Germany and the satellite states around Germany. I think that, uh, you know, we could actually see a winter where... These prices that have been driven into gas over 
politics and free money and all the rest of it i think you could actually see counterintuitively you could see a what greens would see as an absolute disaster for emissions across europe in q4 and q1 because actually you know coal is back in the game it's aggressively in the money when you add in the subsidies that it's being given and i think when there's uh, concerns over a shortage of gas we're going to see a winter where we are counterintuitively burning and, and more dependent on coal as a European um, continent that, than ever before. Obviously, that really doesn't necessarily play into the UK because we've got so little left. But um, we are, once again, the outlying market on the northwest edge of Europe and um, what the interconnected parts of the UK and the, what is going on in uh, mainland Europe is just reflected here. Indeed, and that's a, I think that's a sobering point on which to conclude. You know, we can't ignore these effects. They're transmitted via interconnectors straight into our markets, which are themselves perhaps becoming shadows of the hubs elsewhere in certain respects. Well, thank you for that, Jason. Very interesting. Slightly unfortunate, I guess, going into the COP26 climate talks uh, in Glasgow in November if, if Europe, which has done so much to promote the green agenda, is burning more coal than normal. But these things happen, and it's a, a sign of the time. Uh, inflationary times, you point out. Well, uh, whether you found that uh, uh, encouraging or dispiriting, it's certainly interesting. And if you'd like to find out more, do look out for reports on our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK. And I hope you're able to join us again for another commodity podcast soon. <laughs> <laughs>